one of the hardest things about being human is when you feel alone. When you feel like nobody understands or that your feelings are abnormal or wrong or that there's something wrong with you. And I think that a lot of people, before they get connected with a community or good information, a lot of people who are polyamorous and that monogamy doesn't work for them, they feel like something's wrong with them because their relationships just don't seem to work out. (laughs) Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 150. We're Finn and Emma. That's my kazoo noise. I know, 150. Jeez, it's crazy. I can't believe we're here. It is. It's wild. (laughs) Who'd have thunk it? I know, two and a half years after we started. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess a huge thank you to everyone who still listens to us. And And who comes on the show. And who comes on the show (laughs) and who reaches out to us and gives us, I mean, honestly, we get tons of emails that are just super kind about how much the show is helpful for people and, and we're blown away. So thank you to everyone who has shared your story because really it's your stories that are helping people. Yeah. For sharing, listening, supporting all of the above. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And uh, no exception to that is today with Rachel. Yes. Another powerful interview. Uh, she was married to her high school sweetheart at a pretty young age and sort of, she'll talk a lot about it, but it's, um, you know, she found herself at age 32 thinking, well, I'm just old and I shouldn't want to have sex anymore. Yeah. She kind of noticed her libido is just trailing gone. off, gone. And she just assumed that that's just because that's what happens at that age, at 32. Yeah. So, <laughs> We, you know, and then she what? She goes to a movie. She sees Hugh Jackman with his shirt off and orgasm start just rolling. Yeah, so it's crazy, <laughs> and it's a beautiful story. And she talks so much about you know body positivity, sex positivity, self discovery, self discovery, kink, polyamory, all and, of it. And at the same time, she's been out there uh, the last couple of years writing. Uh, she founded or started a medium. Um, publication called Polyamory Today, yeah, which has now grown to over 30 different contributors, and it's a fantastic resource. So, And she'll discuss all of this in the intro, outro as well. Yeah, and well, <laughs> towards the end of the episode. That's what I meant. <laughs> and so, but links to all of her work and all of the things she's doing are in the show notes at normalizingnonmonogamy.com and in your little podcast player. Yes. One one other thing we wanted to just quickly touch on. There was a point during the interview where we were actually talking about the the lack of libido, and the words got a little jumbled. Anyway, it sounded like Emma was saying that basically any woman who ever has a kid never wants to have sex again, and that was not what I meant. Not what she meant at all. <laughs> so when I just you listen, spoke a little bit. Yeah, just the words got a little tongue tied. Even we get nervous. Yeah. So. Be kind I, they can to probably us. tell that in our intros and outros yeah, that we're no not kidding. always flawless. Flawless. <laughs> I mean, you're flawless, other than this one mistake. So, oh wow, that's a compliment that be, is not true. <laughs> so, so, so be kind to us and enjoy this interview. Uh, before we jump in, a couple of quick community announcements and thank yous to people. 
Yes. So we have a virtual meet and greet coming up this coming Friday. That's October 16th from 10 p.m. Eastern to midnight. And so that's 7 p.m. Pacific. And we have been doing these virtual meet and greets for a few months now. We're super excited about them. We bring everyone together in a Zoom meeting and we talk for and do a few icebreakers and then split you off into breakout rooms where you get to meet and chat with two to four other people and then bring you back up, scramble the rooms and do it all again. Yeah, it's been super awesome. We Again, we've been doing it for a few months. They're open to everybody and anybody. They are $10 to get in. And yeah, we have a great time with them. So we hope to see you Friday night at the meet and greet. Yes. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the meet and greet greet. Meet and green. Meet and greet tab at the top. <laughs> you were flawless until this episode. I don't know what happened. Yeah. You made it 150. That's pretty good, though. That's pretty good. That's solid work. There are also links in your <laughs> podcast player to take you straight there as well. Yeah. The other announcements for community are our Patreon um, announcements, I would say. That was poorly said. <laughs> Again, I'm on a roll today. Yeah, nailing it. Really <laughs> snowballing. But anyway, we have the women's group call is tonight. Yes. It's 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be tonight, Wednesday, October 14th. If you miss it, don't worry. Go to our website and you can find dates for the next one in November. Or you can join in the meantime because we have a chat group as well. So don't yeah. worry if you miss it. And we also wanted to say a huge thing. Well, we're going to say more about Patreon in the outro. We don't want to waste a ton of time here. But a huge thank you to all of the existing Patreon supporters, all 110 plus of you. Woohoo! Then we want to say a huge thank you to Alt Playground for sponsoring the episode. What is Alt Playground, Emma? Alt Playground is an online dating website, mostly geared for non-monogamous people to meet other other non-monogamous people. It's a very inclusive and diverse site, and they're growing a lot. One new feature they have just launched is that you can try out the site for three days for $3.99. So less than $4. You can try it out for three days. See if it's something you want to stick around on and would work for you. Uh, this is great because they they are charging for this little trial because they want to try to keep out bots and trolls and all of that and jazz. The fake, the fake people out there littering up our non-monogamous dating platforms. Yes. So if you want to sign up, go and check out their website directly, altplayground.net, or go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Alt Playground buttons. Buttons? Yeah. All right. You told me not to trail off. I was trying not to trail yeah, off. Yeah, you just finished with a little <laughs> gusto. And if you are in the mood to start meeting people in person again, as you know, here at the show, we highly encourage the open communication around sexual health and safety. And the way that we like to approach this is by knowing our status. The way that we do that is we go to stdcheck.com and we use that service. It is quick, easy, affordable, and very discreet and honestly it's badass. That's, awesome. That's how we get tested. And even better, if you use the links on our website, it helps support the show financially. And, and you get a $10 discount. And you get a $10. So it supports everybody financially. Yeah. So head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the resources tab and there will be links in there. There are also links in your show notes of your podcast player that will take you directly there and hook you up with those $10 free that you could then use at Alt Playground for three days of free trial. Yeah, there you go. Use the savings in one place for another place. There you go. <laughs> and with that, we will head over and talk to Rachel. We're excited to get this one out there and we hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Welcome 
to the show, Rachel. We're excited to have you. We're excited to share a little bit about your story. And some of the work that you're doing for the community is fantastic. So we're excited to get some more ears and eyes on that. And maybe before we do, do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners out there? Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, My name is Rachel. I am going to be 40 in November, which I'm actually kind of excited about. (laughs) And I live in Washington State up near Canada. And I've lived here since I was 10 years old. I like it here a lot. Um, I was married for, well, we were together for 14 years and married for 10. And we were in a monogamous marriage. uh, And we ended up getting divorced. We split up permanently in the end of 2013. And uh, I kind of came to an awakening place, (laughs) I guess you could say. I started exploring one thing that there was a lot of things that kind of happened simultaneously. So one was that my sexuality was like, I describe it sometimes as like a reawakening, but I don't know if that's entirely accurate because we met when we were both 19 and virgins and (laughs) then we were together for 14 years. And so By the end of that, I thought, oh, I had two kids and like, I just don't have a libido anymore. Like, this is just what happens. Like, I got older and I'm not interested anymore. And it turns out that it more was about that relationship and that I wasn't really interested in that person. (laughs) Well, it's crazy, Uh, though, that you say that. Sorry to interrupt you that like you're just you got older and you don't have a libido. But you were at that point, if my math is right, you were about 32, 33. Yeah. It's yeah. not like you are 90. And- no. <laughs> I know. It's sad. And at the time, I didn't have a whole lot of friends so that were open or that talked about that kind of thing. So I didn't have exposure to, you know, how is your sexuality affected by your mental state or things like yeah. that. Right. Well, As, relationships also, like you said, you mentioned you had kids. And I think some there's a misconception that some women like don't want to have sex after having kids. And right. like, that's, like I can see that some people really believe that. Yeah. And I remember it. It's actually really funny to me because I remember sometime. So it took a couple of years for the marriage to like disintegrate. We separated. We got back together and then eventually separated again permanently. And I have a very clear recollection of being in a movie theater and we were watching Wolverine and I was like sitting there and there's a scene like towards the beginning of the movie where Hugh Jackman, like he's sleeping or something in his apartment and he gets out of bed and he's like walking around. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) what is that? (laughs) And I was like, wait, I feel something like that I hadn't felt in a long time. And it's silly, but I I was like, wait a minute, this is different. Like this is, I feel like, you know, there's something still there. And so I kind of went through this whole approximately, like I'd say like six month period between the day that I said, no, I want a divorce. I'm done. Um, where, I just was like, I'm going to do anything I want to. (laughs) 
And I went out by myself, which I had never done before. And I went home with somebody and I went out with a lot of men (laughs) during that time. And it was very much a kind of time of self-discovery and of figuring out who I am. Because I, you know, when you get together with someone when you're 19 years old, you're not even like an adult. And so I never had this time of being on my own and like figuring out who I was. And so that was a time in my life where I was like discovering this kind of immense power that could be linked to sexuality and the power that I kind of had where I could, you know, like people wanted me and that was not something that I felt in my marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. So did you like the time when you, when you, let's say the, the clock started when you said, I want, I want a divorce. I want to be out of this marriage. And you said it was kind of this ebb and flow. Like it wasn't a clean cut, but you like fairly soon after that, like, is that when you like had the Wolverine experience and like you started to feel the, the sexuality and like recognizing feelings of like arousal and desire and things that you hadn't missed. So we separated for a few months in the summer of 2012 and my husband ended up moving back in, in that fall, but it wasn't because I asked him to come back. It was his living situation changed and he didn't have anywhere to go. And so the last year that we were together was a little bit, of a, it it just happened. And I think that during that year is when this stuff started to happen. So when I saw that movie and when I started to think about what else there was and things like that, and we were trying, but I think that that probably that whole time, like I had kind of mentally already started to move forward. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and, and it's interesting to me that, like, that you didn't have these feelings while you were together. That there wasn't like this wandering feeling about, oh, what about this guy and that mm-hmm. guy, and what if I, it was just like you just shut that whole like mm-hmm. part of you yeah. off. That's, well, and I think a lot of that has to do with like at least for the last, so probably at least for the last three or four years that we were together, I was in survival mode. So I was, you know, it was complicated and a lot was going on, but the bottom line is that there was like emotionally, I was not supported and there was a lot of manipulation, whether it was intentional or not intentional. And so I was a stay at home mom with two young kids under five years old for a majority of that time. And I just was surviving. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so once I kind of started to come back into like this idea that like there's life and there's more than just surviving and that I deserved to have more than just surviving. That's really when I started to like awesome. I think like I started to figure out who I am and what I think and it's interesting because so I met two people um, around six months after. So around like June of that uh, 2014 
And one was a guy that I was seeing and he gave me the ethical slut. And I devoured that book and I was like, oh my God, this all makes so much sense. This is like about how we treat each other as humans. Like, yeah, it's about sex, but it's also not about sex. It's about like relationships and it all can apply to everything. And then I also at that time met my now boyfriend and he introduced me to the local sex positive community and also uh, is polyamorous. And so that's when I kind of started to discover that there was a name for it. But even during the time that we were married, like there had been times when we had talked about having the idea of an open relationship and that we both agreed, like neither one of us would really like, okay, well that's, that would be okay. Probably like, I don't feel immense jealousy or anything like when you talk about that or whatever. And, but we didn't have any like frame of reference for the fact that like people actually did that. Like that's, it was just so far beyond like our circle of people that we knew or anything like that. And so I kind of came to see it as like, I don't, I think that I've always been polyamorous, but I don't think that I had any like way to understand it about myself before all of this happened. So. Right. Well, and you, but you, and like you said, you had basically shifted to survival mode and shut down everything. Right. So like thinking about trying to navigate multiple relationships, multiple (laughs) sexual relationships, even if they were casual, like that's so far beyond where you were at. Yeah. Like, to and it's interesting that you say though that you think you were polyamorous that whole time, or that like because you said you wouldn't feel jealous. You just you just didn't know it really existed. Yeah, and like I, you know, I'm not saying I don't get jealous. Like obviously, I get jealous. Everybody gets jealous, but I understand it more now. But. um but I definitely always was the kind of person that when my friends would be like angry or like catty about other women, I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. do you trust your partner to like that you made this agreement with to stick to that agreement? Then why do you even care about these other people? Like, what does it matter? Yeah, And so that kind of stuff, I, I, I definitely feel like, okay, well, it's not something that ever would bother me in the past. Right. Yeah. But you didn't, in your marriage, like you didn't have, like you said, you didn't have the context or maybe the, right. like the, you didn't know where to do, what, where to go or what to do. No, I would have had no idea like where to look or even like the word polyamory I didn't have. Yeah. Right. So. And so, so you are coming out of your marriage. Hugh Jackman takes his shirt off. <laughs> you meet you meet two two guys. One of them gives you the ethical slip. The other one's into polyamory. Uh-huh. And within months, it sounds like of getting out of your marriage, you are exploring polyamory in some yeah. some fashion. Which I again, I think that's an amazing transition. So it is, yeah. and. So what happened then was that uh, our local, we hit, were, our, were, unfortunately, COVID takes its toll, but yeah. uh, we 
we're lucky to have a sex positive center in the town that we live in that had both um, BDSM type, like dungeon related parties and events, but they also had a monthly polyamory discussion group. And so I started going to that every month and the topics would range from kind of poly 101 type stuff to more specific topics. And it was a two hour long discussion group. And um, I'm trying to think of timing, but probably a year after I started attending that on a regular basis, some changes happened at the center and I ended up stepping in and taking a pretty big role for a couple years. And one of the things that I was the, one of the first things that I started taking over was that discussion group. And so I went from being married (laughs) in a (laughs) monogamous marriage to leading a polyamory discussion group once a month in less than two years. (laughs) I love it though. I love that you just jumped jumped in in and like, yeah, that's, I mean, the best way to meet people is to like, just try it. Start something. Yeah. Take a leadership position. And it's funny. I just like hearkening back to some stuff that we've done that not relationship, but like we joined an outdoor club and within like six months, one of us was like on the board members and we're like, we don't know what the hell we're doing, but like people think all of a sudden, like you're this, like you just jump right in, you just jump in and you're just like, Oh, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) Nobody knows what they're doing. No, exactly. I think that's a, that's a fantastic yeah, that's a fantastic uh, observation. I just not to keep like quoting other things, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and his quote was like, "Everybody else is stupid too," and like, yeah. it's just yeah. So we're all just trying. We are. We're just winging it. So welcome to the party. <laughs> so how did how did it progress from there? I guess did you did, was leaving that group kind of an open door to meeting more people? It was, and it took a long time for, so, you know, in the beginning, we didn't have that great of a turnout, and it took quite some time to establish, like, before COVID started happening, and we had to switch, I haven't been to a meeting since it was um, virtual, just because of, you know, timing and whatever else is going on, (laughs) but... Before that, we got to a place where we were, you know, we would have sometimes more than 20 people at the meetings, which was a lot for where we are and for what we had had when I first started. And it's pretty regular. And we have a Facebook group that's like a, it's like a a private, well, I don't know what they call it now, secret or whatever, where you can only get in it if someone invites you in it. And so we have like this little community now, which is really nice. And it's been a place that people can find support. And, you know, we have social events sometimes when people are willing to kind of do that. But it's really nice to just be able to like connect with other people that are in the same boat. And, you know, one of the reasons that I, so I'm a writer And I write to process things. And I also write a lot about the things that I face that are struggles. So I uh, started writing on Medium in in the beginning of 2019. I started writing on Medium. And I 
had a blog for a long time before that, but it wasn't something where I ever got had like a huge following or anything. But now I found a place where I can a have followers that enjoy reading what I write and B I am getting paid for my writing for the first time in my life in a significant way. And you know, it's not like, like I still have a nine to five job, (laughs) but it's enough that, you know, most months I can pay for like my car payment from that money. So that's fantastic. I also kind of started getting to a point where I was like, I think partly because of everything I've been through in my marriage and because I kind of got to the point where I had like a specific list of people on Facebook that I would share my real life with. And then the rest were like kind of restricted or whatever. And one day I was just like, why am I doing this? I don't want to separate myself. So I'm going to just get rid of anybody that I don't want to like know what's really going on in my life. And so I did that. And so eventually, and I don't really remember the exact timing, but I was like, I'm, want to write about polyamory and I want to write about like eventually I have several books I want to write I want to write a book about like kink and normal people and the community and what that's about and I can't do that (laughs) and be like closeted about all of it and so I was like okay well (laughs) I'm gonna like come out as polyamorous or whatever and if people don't like it then oh well (laughs) I guess (laughs) and so I started writing about love because it wasn't just about dating and like dating relationships but I found that in the exploration of my sexuality and the exploration of how I have relationships with other human beings that there's such nuance and there's such infinite like iterations of how love can occur and how affection for other humans can occur. And, you know, I remember very early on with my boyfriend before we were even dating or anything, I have this recollection of being in bed together and we didn't know each other that well. And it wasn't what society would necessarily think would be an appropriate time to feel love for somebody But I looked at him and I felt such love for him. And it wasn't necessarily like, I'm in love with you. Let's do whatever. It was just like overwhelming love. And I think that part of that came from feeling a lack of love for a long time. That once I started to be able to feel love again, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like my heart is so open. And So I wanted to write about that, but that is all intertwined with this whole polyamory thing and the fact that I have a lot of love to give to more than one person. And I just like, I'm not interested in trying to put some kind of like stopper on it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I also found that once I started opening my heart that way that my other relationships were enhanced. So my friendships were able to go to a different place and faster, I think than they have been in the past. And I've been, I am able to make connections with people on a different level than I ever had been before, which to me is like what it's all about, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I know that's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and so maybe like, could, are you willing to give us like a sort of what the progression, like in terms of your relationships looked like from that point to maybe where it is today? Like what, what does your relationship dynamic kind of look like? Yeah. So I, so <laughs> my relationship with my boyfriend, I feel like it had very kind of non-traditional like progression. So when we met, it was more, uh, he was in a long-term relationship. And so I kind of had this assumption that it wasn't going to go anywhere really. And for the first year that we were seeing each other, it was really just like, not about moving forward in any way. Like the fact, like we weren't like, Oh, we're going to move in together. We're going to parent, we're going to have a family, none of that, but things change. (laughs) (laughs) And so during that time, I, we both dated other people on and off. We, so our relationship is very, um, like now we live together. We've lived together for a couple of years now and we have two, two kids from my previous marriage that he is a co-parent for. And then we also have, so, so my ex-husband is a woman now and is married to another woman. So my kids have me, mom, Rachel, they have Scott is their dad. Uh, especially my younger one is more likely to call him that. Um, and then they have their other mom and their stepmom. <laughs> so yeah, we're just so like non-traditional up in here. It's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> it's crazy. So that wasn't like the path that we originally thought we'd be on, but you know, here we are. <laughs> and so we now, like I call him my nesting partner, which I know that some people think that's like cheesy or whatever, but it's like the best description to me. We don't like to use primary, secondary type terminology because I don't know, that just feels like kind of, I don't know, it's, it, it doesn't feel good to us. And when we first kind of met and we're talking and exploring the ideas of polyamory and learning, I was learning about it. He said he didn't believe in primary, secondary relationships, but we also both recognize that because we share a home and because we share children, there's an inherent like hierarchy that comes with that, you know, because if one of us is on a date and the kid breaks their arm, that takes precedence and that's just the way it is. And it doesn't have anything to do with the importance of the other person, but we kind of have to put like little kids first, you know, right. Right. But you know what I mean? So, you know, we recognize that, but we also are both very like open to, you know, each of us going and doing, you know, our own thing. Mm -hmm. And so we mostly date separately. We have talked about the idea of, you know, dating together, but because of, so my boyfriend is pansexual. I am straight. (laughs) And I say that a little bit with hesitation because I have an interesting situation in that I have a girlfriend and, but also like I'm straight. (laughs) And so that was kind of an interesting thing that came about for me in terms of relationships, because I didn't really see that coming. And 
I, so we met the same summer that I met my boyfriend. I met her for the first time and neither one of us remembers like when we started hanging out. Like we both remember the first night we met, but we don't remember like how it came to be that we started hanging out and, you know, communicating every day. And we see each other, you know, once a week, if possible, we both have kids and stuff. So, but my relationship with her is beyond anything that I have experienced in a friendship before. And I actually wrote an article about it recently because I started thinking about this whole idea of qualifying relationships. So when I start chatting with somebody new on whatever, mostly dating apps now, because we're all in our houses with masks. (laughs) And, And so I, would tend to say, well, I have a boyfriend that I live with and I have a girlfriend, but we don't have sex. And then I started to think about it and get kind of mad about it. Cause I was like, why do I say that? I don't go around saying, yeah, I have a boyfriend. His name is Scott and we bang all the time. Like <laughs> nobody does that. <laughs> so right. why am I qualifying a relationship that is just as important to me by implying that a it's anybody's business whether we have sex or not and b like that that would make it a more important or more legitimate relationship yeah for sure yeah no i I like that and i guess can you maybe describe the relationship and we've we've actually had somebody else on the show who had a very similar dynamic with a woman where they they consider themselves like platonic life partners and yeah um, ironically, her name was Rachel too, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's something with the name. But I think maybe just for somebody that's like trying to grasp, like, well, then you're just friends, right? That's probably right. where a lot of people yeah. come back and say, well, if you're not having sex, then it doesn't count as a relationship. Right. And, and one of the things I talked about when I wrote about it is that like describing it as platonic doesn't feel right either, because like I've seen, like, we'll send each other nudes. <laughs> And we're very open about, you know, our sexuality and our sex lives and things like that. And she and her husband are also polyamorous and I have a kind of flirty relationship with him. And we, I mean, I, I think that like we exchange photos that people would not say are just something friends do. I mean, but, and we have sleepovers. We don't sleep together generally like we flip in the same bed but whatever but to me the big thing that when I think about it is the depth of my relationship with her emotionally and the depth of my relationship with my boyfriend or what I once had with my husband and the way that I felt when I was you know younger and married and believed in soulmates and one and only kind of stuff it's not different it is just as deep. I would be just as devastated to if anything happened to her mm-hmm. as I would be with these other people that I have relationships with. And yeah. so I don't know. I kind of think that that's one thing that it's like, well, and there's all these labels for relationships that we have with people. And the original reason that I started referring to her as my girlfriend was because I didn't feel that saying best friend was accurate. 
Like, I did not feel that that conveyed the importance of our relationship in societal terms that most people would use. Right. And it's funny because we've talked before. I'm like, man, if we were like gay, like, or by like more into women, we would like be so into it. (laughs) (laughs) But we're just not. (laughs) And that's okay. Cause you're both on, like you're both talking about it and communicating about it. And it's like your choice. This is a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) but I've kind of had to accept that like, you know, I definitely am more open to the fact that like never is a stupid thing to say about almost everything, but I tend to be attracted to like men and masculine presenting people. So that's just, yeah, no, I mean, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And so, so like high level, you've got your boyfriend, you've got, or your boyfriend who lives with you has, a nesting of, partner. Nesting partner. <laughs> a couple of kids. You have your girlfriend who you don't have sex with. I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> and and then you're able to date or go on other dates, have other partners mm-hmm. as you desire, sort of. At yes, this point. and you know, one of the things that's been funny, in particular, is you know, with the transition between our relationship definitely started out very much as being about us and only us. And it wasn't about anybody else or our families or anything. And so as it kind of progressed into more of a cohabitating relationship, we live together, we share space, you know, we share these kids, we have to parent. It definitely uh, has been more of like, well, we're definitely polyamorous, even if we're not like dating anybody. (laughs) Um, just because it's hard. We, I think that was a tough transition for us moving from a very, uh, us based relationship to all these other things that had to be thrown into it. And it's been a few years, but in some ways I feel like we're still adjusting to it Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. And you know, you adjust and then your kids grow and, they act start acting different or there's new challenges or whatever. And it's like, okay, well I just got used to that. And now it's something else. So (laughs) (laughs) cool. Um, and this is like a totally silly thing, but for me, when Craigslist got rid of their personals, that was a huge blow for me. (laughs) I think it was for a lot of people. Yeah. Like that, I met my boyfriend that's where I used to meet the majority of the people that I went out with was through Craigslist personals and now it's like okay well you've got dating apps but it's hit or miss and you can only go through the list of the same people you know a certain number of times and so I think that just with that happening which was something that we relied on And then, of course, this year with everything that's been going on and having the kids home 24-7 and not being able to go out anywhere, we haven't really been doing a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that's one misconception I think that a lot of people have just about non-monogamy in general is that, you know, people assume, oh, if you identify as non-monogamous, like you're out meeting all these people and doing all this stuff all the time. And in reality, that's just not always the case. I mean, it can be for some people and that's great, but Mm -hmm. like... 
you know, enter COVID or enter just other relationship stress or in life enter stresses, kids. enter kids. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, or just, I don't know, lots of other things that can happen that just, it doesn't mean that your identity as being a polyamorous person changes. It's just that right. maybe you're not actually acting on it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, you, you've mentioned kink a few times. Is that something you also started to explore? Yeah. So we, so when I, um, met my boyfriend, he was a volunteer at the local place and he had kind of been involved in it from the beginning as one of the like core people that got things actually going to open the center. And when I went there for the first time, they had been open for five months. And so we started going there regularly and started kind of exploring that. And mostly I think that's the biggest things for us exploring power exchange relationships. And also we're into like rope, like bondage. Um, and so we started going to parties and I became a volunteer pretty quickly, partially because that meant going to the parties without paying. <laughs> so <laughs> we still had to pay for our membership, but then we could go to the events and it can get expensive, you know? So that was a huge plus being able yeah. to volunteer and then also support the center. Um, yeah. That's something we encourage all the time. If people are looking to get into places for a l- less expensive yeah. price, then yeah, volunteer to help that they need those volunteers. Yep. And so, you know, we would go and we would volunteer for half of it and then we could just hang out. And so I was saying before that there was some stuff that happened and the people that were the leadership of the center, which it was set up as a nonprofit, uh, like a membership club. They had to step down. So at that time, me and two other people stepped in and pretty heavily took over everything. <laughs> and so I was on the board for, I think, I have my whole timeline written down somewhere, but a couple years I was on the board. I was the secretary, uh, and then there was a president and a vice president and a treasurer. And then at some point, I think after the first year, I stepped in as vice president and I did that for a while. And unfortunately, after about six or seven months, I had to step down from that because of, I couldn't work with the person who was the president and it sucked. It was, it was very, very difficult for me. I basically stepped away completely from being involved at all in a place that had been been my second home for several years and I still feel grief about it and unfortunately you know we had just started to dip our toes into whether we were comfortable starting to go back again and then about two months ago the current board announced that it just wasn't feasible to try to continue to be an organization with not even knowing when they would be able to open up again. Right. Yeah. So that was really sad <laughs> because <laughs> I was, you know, looking forward to hopefully trying to get some of that community back. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, it sounds like this organization was super, super crucial and critical for you exploring and learning so much about yourself, right. Coming out of, your marriage and really opening your eyes and opening your world. Do you mind maybe talking a little bit about some of the 
some of the positive impacts that not necessarily that organization, but the, that non-monogamy and exploring polyamory have had on you, like as a person and just, you know, personally, the way that you've grown over the last few years. I think that, you know, some of this stuff can apply to both like being at that, at the sex positive center. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap between the poly community and the kink community and, um, the sex positive community in general. And so being around a certain type of people, I have found that the people that I have met, I mean, okay, disclaimer, there's jerks everywhere. No matter where you go, whether it's a dungeon or a church, there's going to be a-holes that are trying to take advantage of people and doing inappropriate things. So that's just the way it is. You can't avoid it. So, but for the most part, I have found that the people that I've met have been kind of emotionally aware. And that's something that being able to talk to other people that are kind of more open with their emotions and including their like insecurities and the emotions that people are scared to talk about or that they think make them look weak, you know, being able to talk about your fears and your insecurities and, you know, what the things are that make you feel a certain way and being able to like self-examine has been a huge thing for me because I've been discovering myself. And part of that has been like, okay, well I can work through my past and the traumas that I've been through, but also what kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to interact with other people in the world? And would I rather be honest and open with people or would I like, I'm not going to like lead somebody on or try to put effort into something that I know isn't going anywhere. And I would rather people be honest with me about that as well. So for instance, if I am, you know, meet somebody and we start chatting or we go out once or whatever, and one of us isn't feeling it, it's just not like, I'm just not feeling a connection. There's no spark or whatever then just saying it like, okay, well, that was really great. And you seem like a really nice person, but this isn't, I don't think this is going anywhere. So let's not like try to force something or whatever. I think that one of the biggest things about being involved in both of these communities um, is the culture of consent. I feel that being at the sex positive center when I was there, is probably one of the only truly consent-based, like, hardcore, that's-what's-important places I've ever been. When we talk about living in a culture of consent, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a place where people that I met and had known for two years would ask me if it was okay before giving me a hug. Because sometimes you don't want one. (laughs) Sometimes you don't want someone to touch you. Sometimes you don't feel like it. And, you know, for me, the answer was always yes, because I love hugs. (laughs) But the respect and the power of somebody giving you the power of whether you want to have a hug or shake hands or whatever is really impactful, I think. And I wish that there was more spaces like that. I hope that we can create more spaces like that because that is 
empowering to the people that see it happening in front of them. And I also think it can be healing, you know, for people that have not had that given to them. The other thing is, which applies really for the most part to both communities as well in polyamory and in kink was, is the body positivity and not body positivity in the sense of like the body positive movement, because that's a whole other tangent I could go off on. But I'm not really, like, I've kind of shifted my focus from that movement because I don't feel like it's inclusive. But the true, like, appreciation of all different bodies, shapes, sizes, abilities, I think that for me as a fat woman who also considers themselves to be, like, sexy... (laughs) Being in those environments did more for my self, like, image and self-confidence than anything else that I have ever experienced. Like, hands down. And so those, those things, just the empowerment to, like, to, like, recognize that, like, okay, just because something is normal doesn't mean it's okay. So... Just because people always touch you doesn't mean that it's okay that they're touching you. Just because people always make kids give hugs to their grandparents, even if they don't want to, doesn't mean that that is okay. And having the power to be like, no, I didn't like it when you touched my leg. That was too familiar and it made me uncomfortable. And just being able to have that power and then also being able to like look at myself through other people's eyes and realize that like there's some, there's people for everybody and that's kind of how it is. Um, both of those things have been healing for me, I think. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. I think yeah. to build, building on the, the body positivity one, you know, some of the things that we've seen over the years, it, and you know, like you said, being, a bigger woman that like it's not because everybody at this place is your size. It's because everybody at this place is accepting of people of different sizes, shapes, like you said, abilities, disabilities. And, and that's something we've seen so many times over where you have two people who like you, maybe they're the polar opposite end of the spectrum of whatever, you know, trait you're talking about, height, weight, whatever. And, and they're together and you're like, you, you know, your brain is so used to being like, well, this person should be with this person because they look similar or this person and this person, they belong together. And then you see this person and this person and they're together and you're like, that's amazing. Right. And, and it just, it, it breaks all of your preconceived notions that you carry around. Yeah. And so many of the sex positive places do that. Yeah. And I definitely think that you know, whether it's a sex positive center, a dungeon, a, you know, a swingers club, a, you know, big play party where people are having sex or whatever in front of each other, seeing all different, like all different sizes and shapes of normal people (laughs) just walking around naked or in skimpy outfits. It does a whole lot to normalize that what normal bodies look like. And that is a huge thing, especially because what we see in pornography is so not normal. Like, you know, my kids are getting older. I have boys. One of them is starting high school 
And I think about what do I want them to know about sex? And what do I want them to know about porn? Because you can't stop your kids from seeing porn. Like, this is 2020. There's the internet. Like, you know, if we had the internet when we were 14, we all would have been looking at it like (laughs) human nature. (laughs) And so what do I want them to know? And like, mostly it's like, okay, well, that's not real. Not only are those bodies generally not real, but the lack of consent isn't real. The forcefulness that you see so often isn't, you know, quote, normal. It's not, that's not how it always is. And it's awkward and it's fun and it's, you know, it's okay. It's a, it's a nice thing when you're prepared for it. And when both people are into it, like then it's good. And, you know, I, I know that people, a lot of people, the idea of going to a place where you're seeing other people like doing all of these things seems strange, but I think that psychologically that there's a huge benefit to it beyond like getting your rocks off. Like, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just to your confidence, like it doesn't matter what you look like. We're all insecure, right? Like our most the majority of people are insecure about yes. how they look or how they feel. And so just being in those environments is very powerful. Yeah, it resets your baseline. It resets your the glasses you walk around and look at the world mm-hmm. through. And yeah, that you know, these aren't hand-picked models that have pre-negotiated a scene <laughs> and discussed it. And then the camera started rolling and you're seeing a 10 second clip that actually took, you know, 40 minutes to make happen. Right. And so there's, yeah, there's a lot to that. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily envy you having to figure out how to navigate teaching your kids about porn. So. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really interesting because when you first, so our first kind of experience with it is that my younger son, his tablet got like a virus or something, but it made a lot of interesting searches and we found them. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What do we do? Panic, panic, panic. And so eventually I had a discussion and it turned out that like, it wasn't, he hadn't, it wasn't him anyway, but then we were able to be like, well, if you're curious, you know, we just want you to like the internet isn't safe because you're going to see stuff that you're not ready for and that you didn't want to see. So if you want, like my goal is that I've been trying to work on writing up an article with some resources that would be more safe for teenagers. Like, okay, well, I know you're curious. Here are some like places that you could look that are maybe like more, you know, like the female focused or things like that, where you're not going to find like Pornhub gangbangs or whatever. Right. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a great idea. It's weird though. It's very weird. Like, I don't know, man. Well, and think about, (laughs) think about it from the fact that you're a a very sex positive person who's cued into all of these things. Think if you were the like super uptight, church going and this happened like you think it's oh weird God. think about how terrifying that would be yeah. <laughs> uh, not that there's anything wrong with that maybe a little bit but. watch yourself <laughs> uh, we're gonna get canceled <laughs> i i wanted to circle back real quick you said that you re- 
somewhat recently came out as like wanting to be fully like, this is who I am. And I am polyamorous. Did you have any pushback or, or anything with that? Or was it mostly a positive experience for you? For me, it was mostly a positive experience. And I recognized that I was in a very lucky position, right? So I was divorced out of that relationship and not yet in a like commit, like kind of long-term live in forever kind of relationship with anybody. And so it was me. And I also, I think at the time I was at a job where I was like, okay, well, they're not going to, even if they find out about it, they're not going to care. And the place that I work now, I, I've been open with some of my coworkers and other ones. Like I don't really talk about it in front of them, but if they found out, I'd be like, well, now, you know, whatever. I don't know what you, you know, but I was in a position where I didn't have to think about a lot of other people. And that was a kind of a privilege for me because I didn't have to explain like why my marriage wasn't enough or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where I think that people who open up uh, or come out as a couple, like a long-term married couple or something, there's different challenges that you face. I told, I remember I told my mom and <laughs> she's a pretty like open-minded person, but she definitely was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't even think I would ever want more than one. Like it's hard enough dealing with one. Like, why would you want it? And then she also kind of didn't understand. So if people are familiar with the relationship escalator, if she didn't really understand like what the point was, mm-hmm. if, right. that if we weren't going to a next step, then what was even the point? And I was like, well, the point is like, why would you forfeit an amazing connection, loving relationship that you're having a good time in just because you might get hurt? Like everybody's going to get hurt all the time. (laughs) So if I live my life in fear of getting hurt, then I'm just, what is the point of that? I might as well do stuff. And then when I get hurt, at least there was like a point to it. Right. And I have, I think that one of the other really early on people I told was my my best friend at the time, who is still one of my best friends, and my cousin. And my friend had a little bit of experience. She knew a triad and that she had known for a little while that uh, their kids went to the same school. And so she kind of had a little exposure to it. And I know she thought it was weird, but she was like, whatever, it's fine. Like she was accepting. <laughs> Um, my cousin was like, well, that sounds complicated. And I'm like, (laughs) well, (laughs) it can't be like, she didn't really understand. Like, why would you want to add all that extra like complication and like potential for problems to your life or whatever. But once I decided to come like kind of, you know, in the way of the world today, put it on my Facebook, the response was very positive. I had a couple people reach out to me privately that I would have had no idea that are like, were like, Oh yeah, well I have a girlfriend. Like one of my married friends was like, yeah, that person that you've seen, you know, in my pictures or whatever, like that's my, actually my girlfriend. And another person uh, reached out to me and was like, you know, I get where you're coming from and we've had these kinds of discussions too. And so I thought that was really interesting that, I would have had no idea 
that these people were kind of experiencing this. And it also gave me the ability to kind of be a resource. I like being a resource. I, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a teacher. That was what I wanted to do. And I never became, well, I did teach natural childbirth classes for a little while, but other than that, I never became a teacher, but I do still like teaching people. And I take the things that I experiences that I've had and the knowledge that I've gained as a way to answer questions when I see them come up. So whether it's somebody posting a news article or it's one of my friends like posting about a TV show or somebody in a mom's group, you know, wondering about whether something is normal or what does this mean? I like being able to kind of be not afraid of like, um, telling people something about myself that they didn't know and to be able to help people and help people feel more normal. I think that one of the hardest things about being human is when you feel alone, Mm -hmm. when you feel like nobody understands or that your feelings are abnormal or wrong or that there's something wrong with you. And I think that a lot of people before they get connected with a community or good information, a lot of people who are polyamorous and that monogamy doesn't work for them, they feel like something's wrong with them because their relationships just don't seem to work out. (laughs) And I hate that. Like people are trying to fit themselves into boxes when they have such potential that they could be happy and fulfilled. Yeah. And they don't know, right. They're afraid to explore that because nobody else is doing it or they've never seen anybody else do it. And there are a certain number of people in the world, right. Who are trailblazers and that doesn't bother them, but I would say that's a small percentage compared to those who they want to see somebody else go walk out on the ice first and make sure it doesn't break. And, and so it's amazing that you're willing to be that person for so many people, you know, going out on Facebook and sharing it and it it's bringing other people out and, you know, going out in medium and doing the same thing, giving, letting other people see that there's people doing this and that you can do this. So Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, and maybe that's a good segue to talk a little bit about. Almost, we gotta. We know she has a blooper. Oh yeah, she yeah, shared yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre- we'll, we'll do that first. <laughs> <laughs> so we we know you have at least one blooper. So feel free. I mean, again, we like to share the blooper. Maybe in the same line of it's it's showing people that the world isn't perfect. You know, maybe showing kids that it's not all not all porn is the way the world works. So <laughs> not not all not all polyamory and swinging is this just perfect blend of nonstop orgies or even just sex in general yes (laughs) even if it's just two people which not or one people so actually now that you said mentioned kids i have a second one so i'll just do both (laughs) so the first one was that early on in my relationship with my boyfriend we would spend like okay so i would drop my kids off for their seven hours or whatever small amount of time it was at the time at their other house and we would go over there and I don't know how you can age so much in like three years, but it seems like we were younger then. And so we would spend like the afternoon in bed. Like now it's like, oh, this seems tiring. So we lived in an apartment and somebody lived next door and it was summer. We had the window open because it was hot and we had the fan going. And 
somebody, and I didn't see them, but somebody came up to the window and said, can you be quiet? <laughs> and my boyfriend just looked at the window, like we, he kind of paused, looked over at the window and says, no. <laughs> and then we just like went about whatever. And I guess the person left, but it was very weird. Like what happened to banging on the wall? Like, did you try that first? <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear him. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. We were too busy. <laughs> the other thing that you reminded me of is we were so this happened um a few years ago so i think my kids were maybe 11 and 7 or somewhere in that range and so we were driving in the car and so the younger one starts just saying sex like just the word sex because he knows that it makes the older one like he doesn't like it so the older one is like, stop it, blah, blah, blah. And then for some reason, my older one says, well, mommy and Scott don't have sex. And I'm sitting in the front seat and I'm like, what? And so I just go, well, I don't know what gave you that idea. And he just, it was like his jaw dropped and he just like was silent for several minutes. And I was like, I know it's hard for you to understand, but when you get older, you'll want to do it too. And he was just like, his mind was blown. But I was like, <laughs> why do you think that? Like, you can't think that. That's not sex positive. <laughs> yeah, ask, ask the neighbor. He knows. <laughs> yeah, go ask that guy. <laughs> <sighs> oh, That's man. Funny. Yeah. Well, Ways to blow your kid's mind. Well, and that yeah. part of it is just like, being so open and honest with them. Like we were watching, do you ever watch that show raising hope? It was like about this guy that had a kid and they were kind of like supposed to be like trashy people. But there was this one episode where the parents had like a sex tape that they had made sometime in the past. And so they were going to, the show ended with them putting this tape in the VCR and like going off to their bed or whatever. And I remember one of my kids being like, well, what are they going to do? And I was like, they're going to have sex. Like why? that's okay for them to know. Like they can know about that. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I tend to err on the side of like, I'm just going to tell them what's what. And right. maybe sometimes they'll be embarrassed, but. Well, cause if they don't find it out from what, you, they'll, they'll find yeah, it out from somewhere else. Exactly. At least they're getting accurate information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I cut you off earlier, Emma. I apologize. I was just going to say, um, we're kind of wrapping up here, but we wanted to give you a chance to plug your current work or actually anything you'd like to plug. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I mentioned earlier that I write on medium and I write mostly, I don't know. I write about a lot of stuff, but a lot of it falls into the realms of feminism and bodies. I have a publication called Fatitude that is a little bit newer. And I also, uh, in the fall of actually probably just a little over a year ago, I started a publication called polyamory today. And I did that because I wanted to originally, because I wanted a place to house my writing about polyamory all in one place. But when I started, I, I kind of reached out to a few authors that I had seen on medium that I was following. And I, I found pieces they'd written and I was like, Hey, 
I just started this publication. Would you be interested? And so I got a couple of writers that have been pretty consistent right off the bat. And as of now, I think that we have, I think there's like 32 writers that write sometimes for the publication. And I get requests weekly now for people that want to share their stories. And my goal with the publication is for it to be a place to kind of normalize polyamory. So, you know, we publish, we don't publish like sex, like we publish things that have to do with sex and polyamory, but not like explicitly sexual things just because that's not our focus. And there's other publications that work really well for that. But anything from people's personal stories, I have one writer that does like twice a year, an update on her polycule. And so we just, you know, every six months we have a new post from her. The things that people struggle with, things that people have learned, um, stories about dating, basically anything that you would want to find about, you know, different things. And then we also have a resources section where I've gathered a bunch of resources that people can kind of see different books and websites and I don't know if I have a section on there for podcasts, but I definitely will. (laughs) And um, so people can kind of be able to find it. And I think, you know, there's some pretty well-known websites out there, but having a place that you can kind of have as like a landing place where you can find all different stories and see that one person's polyamory isn't another person's polyamory isn't another. I mean, there's infinite varieties of what we've got going on here and I I love it I feel like I love that I've been able to connect with this little community of people that have all these variety of experiences yeah and yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. it's like the porn <laughs> hub for polyamory no I couldn't resist <laughs> links to everything you mentioned will be in the show notes yeah for sure well Thank you again, Rachel, for coming on, for sharing your story and being vulnerable with us about some of it and and for putting the work out there that you do and giving a voice to the, you know, 32 plus other writers out there who are sharing their stories and getting their voices out there. So that's powerful work. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And with that, we'll uh, let you get on with your evening and we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. And we're, we're back. back. Oh, nailed it. We nailed it. We're getting good. <laughs> we are getting good. 150 in and we're nailing it. Finally can do the outros and intros. Oh, yeah. Intros and outros. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Thank you so much to Rachel for coming on the show and sharing your story and for all the work you do too, all the publications and writing that you do to get the word out there. Yes. Thank you very much, Rachel. And again, uh, we hope that you will all go check out the writings uh, at Medium or on Medium. At Medium. At Medium. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm a millennial. I don't know much about the internet. All right. <laughs> I don't know how this shit works. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just a quick reminder, if you are looking to meet people and get out there either virtually or in person, you can do that in a... In a free trial. I got you. Hey, no, I got you. Okay. Uh, Not a free trial, but a $3.99 trial. It's not a free trial. Shush, shush. It's three days for $3.99 on altplayground.net. That's what we were trying to say. Go check it out. I was going to recover. And if you're continuing to look for more community, head over to the Patreon tab on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. 
and hear about all the amazing things that we're doing with the 110 plus other incredible patrons to help build community and foster wonderful relationships. Yes, we have a Q&A coming up in the end of October, October 28th, and we, well, two Q&As. And then we also have a private MeWe chat for anybody that's part of our Patreon community. Yes, and as you would expect, next week we have another episode. We do. With Gabrielle. Yep. She's, again, amazing. Yes, as all of our guests are. Wow, that was very deep. So you will want to come back. She has been exploring non-monogamy basically since she came out of work one day and told her boyfriend about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll want to hear that story next week. And in the meantime, reach out to us on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Let us know how we're doing and we'll see you in a week. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>